Hey, Joanna, guess what week it is? Is it Torture Dave week? It very might be, well be Torture Dave week Woo-hoo! because this, this week on the podcast, we are going to be covering American Gods, the book, the series, the adaptation. At least, at least we have something with a book we can refer to. Um, yeah. y- you know, anything that um, I can use to torture Dave, I will happily leap on that opportunity. I hope you all heard that heavy sigh that Dave heaved. We've been, I've been threatening Dave with this podcast for, like, what, two years, Dave? <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They, well, they <laughs> know. We've been talking about it. Let's just do it like a Band-Aid. This week's Storm of Spoilers, right off, begins now. Beware, spoiler-phobes. Here we worship at the altar of spoilers. This week, we return to a prestige television property that is adapting a book into multiple television seasons with American Gods. In the past, we've hypothesized this episode would be quite a showdown, but now we've been able to digest some of the Star's adaptation series being run by Brian Fuller and are ready to explain to Neil what's going on with this kooky, violent series that flashes through different times and locations to spin its Neil Gaiman-written tale. There's smug book readerness coming... So gather your gods. Hello and welcome to the Storm of Spoilers off-season tour. My name is Dave Gonzalez, and I've got to be the buffalo in the god, the god pantheon. My name is Joanna Robinson, and if I had to pick a god from American Gods, which is a show that we're talking about, I would have to pick Mr. Nancy. And I'm Neil Miller, and if I were a god on American Gods, I think I would also... No, wait. I'd be Mr. Jekyll. He's Anubis. He's a death guy. He's got... He picks people's hearts up and puts them on the scale. I... I just learned this. Uh, this is new to me. <laughs> <laughs> and we are, of course, deep in America God's territory. I've read the book, but not recently. Joanna, when was your re- most recent American God's read, reread? Last summer, reread. Third, okay, third time through, I think. Third or fourth time through, yeah. Nice. Mine's been a few years, and I've read it twice at the second time, sort of begrudgingly, because I had been told I had been giving it a short shift. Shrift. Uh, I don't feel like I really got that wrong, but uh, what is really exciting about American Gods is that it is now a Stars series from Brian Fuller. Uh, what is less exciting to me is it's kind of the show that killed Hannibal in my mind, but I'm going to try not to hold it against it, because visually, it's going to have some similar things. But first... Joanna, do we have any reviews? You know what, Dave? We don't. And you sons of bitches. <laughs> to the lovely, <laughs> lovely Irish listener who claimed they left a review in the Ireland iTunes, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find anything in any of the foreign iTunes review pods. So I, they're not called pods, pockets, stores. So, uh, guys, Podcast we stores. are reviewless. Please do Wait, what? I might have a. What? I might have an email we can read. Oh, holding out on us, eh? All right. I just thought of this now, and I'm having to remember our email password. Give me a second. Don't say it on the pod. <laughs> I almost just said it. <laughs> <laughs> 
oh yeah this one this one's pretty good you guys you guys are gonna want to hear this it might be offensive i don't know we'll find out this comes to us from a reader named dell uh in it he says we would like to put our two cents in favor of game of thrones production spoilers the more the better these wimpy ass casuals who draw the line need to get with the program either listen to storm spoilers and get a storm of spoilers or go listen to those flaccid after shows i think that's a chris uh chris hardwick shot i like it uh where discussion is limited uh this actually came from multiple people there is a i love this uh at the end he says please attribute this to pseudonyms of a devoted group of listeners luke s ben k d darko lando c and jackie jump jump <laughs> also please joanna do this in an arnold schwarzenegger voice man i really should have we really should have planned this out well um i just consider this part of neil's larger conspiracy which is to take over more and more and more sections of the that's pre-pod. true uh they also left us a pps thanks for the patriot recommendation it was like a fargo meets llewellyn davis low-key spy thriller yeah so ex- so unexpected and great uh they also wanted to know if we've seen train to busan which i had not seen yet i have not uh but i'm really glad you liked pa- the patriot or patriot i forget if it has the article um oh no it's it's the patriot is a mel gibson movie yeah pa- uh, patriot patriot yeah. is the amazon show a uh, great amazon show the other thing i want to say is that you know we're still wrestling over this question and i think we might actually end up doing uh, my vote is to do sections uh next season but we'll see what what we land on we're gonna try it out this week with american gods (laughs) but um but your your requests have been heard uh you you basically did a change.org petition and i salute you team more spoilers Yes, team, more spoilers. <laughs> Our people exist, and they are out there, and they are legion. But they need to start leaving us five-star reviews on iTunes. Toot sweet. Right. Toot, that, that was toot the, sweet. Yep, that was the moral of that. Plus, I got to say toot sweet. Nice. Uh, Neil, yes. I hear there are some, some new photographs we have to survey yeah, I think actually, uh, in my segment, we're going to let Joe, I'm going to make Joanna hijack my segment since I hijacked her segment. <laughs> um, but we got to talk about these, uh, things, these photos. What were these photos? These Game of Thrones photos that it, came out. Yeah, these week old photos. <laughs> that we, if, if anybody listened last week, you will know if you got all the way to the end of that very loopy episode we did without Dave, that we did talk about the Game of Thrones photos. We just, lost that audio and then didn't talk about it the second time decided to wait for dave so let's do it again um all right so um let me try to remember all the amazing things that we said last time uh but this yeah time, i have my, that i missed information because we'll i looked at these photos and i was like look people looking off camera very seriously well we except t- for torment we talked a little bit about how they try to crop everything to give away um as little as they possibly could um which is understandable um we're going to start with the torment and brianne photo because that that one is like the one that's nearest and dearest to neil's heart i believe obviously so, so we've got uh torment looking um appreciatively at brianne probably in the Winterfell courtyard, but who can say since it's cropped so close. He's just happy to see her again. Um, sure thing. Then we've got, uh, also probably in the Winterfell courtyard, we have, uh, Sophie Turner as Sansa and 
um, standing next to Littlefinger. And I believe last week I talked about her wig and how I um, am interested to see how the wig plays um, this season because this is the first year that Sophie Turner will not be dyeing her hair red every week um, because she had blonde hair for like a, a movie shoot uh, currently with the filming of season seven. So they put they slapped a red wig on her. I could tell. I think it looks a little off, but, you know, we shall see. I talked about how she looks a little pregnant. And I threatened to kill him. So (laughs) I said, they'll never find the body, is what I said. Uh, I missed this. (laughs) (laughs) So that happened. Uh, Then we're going to move to uh, John. Uh, It should be noted that everyone is, like, wearing, like, Sansa's got, like, a leather breastplate of some sort on under her um her furs and john probably has a matching one under his furs and his photo um some uh eagle-eyed fans have noted that they think he is in the crypt of winterfell and though there's no way to really tell that it's and looking kind of cryptic it, it looks cryptic uh, but, oh, I see what yeah, you did there. Uh, so, yeah, that was good. And some people are guessing that he is looking at the statue of Leanna Mormont, which he might do if he had heard some news and wanted to think about the news that he heard. Um, we ha- what kind of news would that be? Uh, you know, Secret are Targaryen we seriously news. treating this like it's not? Uh, all right. Secret Targaryen news. Secret Targaryen news. <laughs> his parentage. If he found out, that, I mean, we learned this last yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. If he found out Leanna yeah, was his but, mum. Uh, but we, but we know, but John doesn't know. So, like, who would tell John? Well, we'll find out. Um, that's a bet. That's a bet. Somebody drags his brother's ass back over the wall. Oh, speaking of dragging <laughs> poor Bran. Oh yeah, this is what this we is talked my about. Favorite. This is what we talked about. We talked about poor Mira is still dragging Bran because Uncle Benjamin fucked off and didn't leave them with a horse <laughs> or I think a sledge. So I believe Mira has strapped him to a tree. It looks like yeah. to me. Um, and that's crazy. He wasn't strapped strapped to a tree last season, right? He, he had like a sledge. Well, no, Joanna, he is a tree now. Yeah, that's right. Brandon's Brandon's <laughs> one with a tree. This is Neil trying to resurrect some of his great jokes from last week. Uh, God, they're not working. <laughs> it's just not the same. But anyway, Mira, like Gendry still rowing, Mira still dragging. Um, I'm a big fan both... of Brand's expression <laughs> in this photo, by the way. Which is just either like... he's sleeping <laughs> or he's or he's green seeing. Right. I will say this. Um, we we talk a lot about Gendry's arms and how ripped he's going to be when he's done rowing. We are not talking about Mira Reed's thighs and how ripped she's going to be when the she core. gets done dragging. Yeah, she's got that core yeah. strength. Of course, this is like strong. Yeah, this is like doing a lot of CrossFit, Westeros like, style. Like, can you just even believe? I know we talked about this a lot here, but can you even believe that Uncle Benjamin's like, "Bye, guys, taking the horse." Like, really? Can't go. Can't go within a thousand feet of the wall. Got a restraining order. Oh There's a school God. over there. Not allowed to go over there anymore. Oh, my God. Okay. And also, why wouldn't you strap him? Why wouldn't you Yoda this shit? It seems there's a You want to make a brand backpack? Yeah, wouldn't that be easier than constructing, like, dragging a tree and a boy strapped to it? Uh, I think for, like, leverage-wise, I think dragging is better than... Um, so I have back problems, is what you're saying. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, and our last Stark uh, child is Arya Stark, uh, who is wearing sort of like some brown drabby clothes, some, you know, not looking like 
in her full Stark finery that we've seen in some other promo photos um, in a tavern somewhere. Perhaps looking at Hot Pie could be, I don't know. Right. You know, what? Perhaps she's at the crossroads. Yeah, she may be, she may hap be at an inn at the crossroads. Um, and while we're. She does have like empanadas in front of her. She does. I mean, in those empanadas, you don't want to neglect the gravy. I'm just saying, they don't call them empanadas <laughs> in Westeros, but they should. Um, and while we're talking about the North, we should talk about Lyanna Stark and uh, Davos, who are both in like the main um, hall. Lyanna Mormont. Yeah, Lyanna Mormont. What did I say? Stark. Lyanna uh, Stark. I do that what, all the time. That is a real character, though. So. I know, but still, I do it all the time. Okay, so Lyanna Mormont <laughs> and Davos are in the what looks like the main hall of Winterfell. We've got a little finger being a little creep in the back of Lyanna's shot. This this could even this even looks like it should be it could be a shot reverse shot. Like they could be looking at each other. We don't know, but it's possible this is a scene. Um, and they've zoomed in on these characters to be like, here are some characters you like, no other information. All right. Um, yeah, all I know is that every time I see the picture of Leanna Mormont, I want to like get in a power lifter like Ripley at the end of Aliens 2 and be like, Littlefinger, get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> Littlefinger is a little bitch. Stay away from our best character yeah, ever. Stop, like the candle, like gleaming off his little mockingbird pin. Okay. Um, going north, we have the Hound. And uh, Neil, you had some observations on who the Hound is with? Yes. Uh, as you may note in the blurry background photos, the armor is very inconsistent from one character to another. So it's very Brotherhood without banner. So he's still with the Brotherhood, basically, is what I'm saying, which we could have figured out just by like logic of where he was. But let's be detail-oriented here, people. <laughs> let's look at the fact that none of the armor matches. And if he were like with a militia or with uh, Stark soldiers or Lannisters, uh, he wouldn't be with Lannisters. Fuck the Lannisters. Um you know, so he's still with the Brotherhood. They're going into the snow. I assume they're still going north. Um, you know, so they're going north, and we at least know that they've made it far enough north that it's snowing, which could be five feet north. We don't know at this point, right? Um, let's uh, go over check in with Sam Gilly, who are at the Citadel. Uh, I believe the really, really great description I had last time we recorded this was the couple that reads together stays together. Um, mm, yes. Gilly's working on her basic sort of ABCs. Uh, you know, she's reading about uh, the rise of Valyria and the Lord of Eight and all of this, or Lord of Light and uh, Lord of Eight, Lord of Light. That's, that's me trying to like read medieval uh, script on the. We got a long way to go until um, we're back in game shape. Yeah, here. and then um, you know, and then and then Sam's in some cash, some cash reading clothes. So Sam's rocking the very unflattering big guy in white look. But he's he's very clean. His hair is very clean. Everyone everyone looks mm-hmm. quite quite cleaned up. So um, that's what's happening with Sam and Gilly. And then we'll do the Lannister twins, who are just you know bejeweled and bedecked and looking looks, super happy to be with. Yeah, it looks like ruling is super fun. <laughs> ruling the kingdom is super fun, guys. Who would have guessed? Um, We're all having a great time. <laughs> and um, we should say that J- this might uh, take place very soon after the finale last week. Because Jamie hasn't changed to any sort of like Queen's Guard uniform. He's still rocking the Lannister the Lannister uh, armor. So. Unless unless there's been some sort of break in their situation. I don't feel like you'd be standing so close to her if there were a break in their situation. Don't That's stand <laughs> Don't stand so Sorry, I see what I wanted to contribute right there. Uh, and then we're going to wrap up with Team Daenerys. I believe last time we talked about this, we spent a good deal of time on the dragon 
accessories that we can see here. Um, Masendi has a lovely three-headed dragon pin, um, and uh, Grey Worm has a matching one in the group shot. Uh, so I quite I quite like the, that accessory, um, and then but then Daenerys has this like crazy three headed. We're assuming it's three headed, and one of the heads is under her hair. Three headed dragon like cape clip thing that is like three dimensional. Like super brooch. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like I hope those things come to life and breathe fire at some point. Um, yeah, and then rounding out Team Daenerys, we've got Tyrion with his uh, Hand of the Queen pin and uh, Varys. With Le- his amazing fleece number. Yeah, he's got a fur. He's got. We see him in a lighter robe, but then later we see him in a fur-lined robe, and he's like, you know what? Um, I need to be warm in order to do my master of spies job. All right. Um, it's also worth noting real quick about that group shot with Daenerys's crew that that appears to be the same costume situation they had at the end of last season. So this looks to be like the arrival shot of when they arrived and they're, they are probably in my estimation looking at Dragonstone. Like this is when they show up and they're like, it's Daenerys's house. They're wearing like slightly different clothing. But it's pretty much the same. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) It's close enough. Uh. Well, I think what you can see is the difference between what they're wearing in that group shot, which is sort of more summery on the high seas gear and then the just stop poking holes in my theory I think the only one when this turns out to be the establishing shot (laughs) of like episode one where they reach Dragonstone I'm gonna be like listen yeah feel free but I I think until then I am gonna question it because um Masendi still had her midriff bear on the high seas and and Daenerys is rocking a DB and uh, I would say the only one that backs you up there is Varys because he has yet to fur line his his robe here. But he's wearing pants, so you know, jaunty pants and boots. Whereas usually we just see him in a long robe. So normally this is where I would defer to your Vanity Fair knowledge. Why? Why defer to me? Argue with me. That's what we're here for. But uh, I'm not. I'm not deferring to you yeah. this time. I'm right. Okay. This is, this is that's episode one arriving at Dragonstone shot. Okay. Lock it in. Okay, okay, buddy. <laughs> Varys, wrong week, guys. Varys, wrong week. Varys is wearing the same robe. Varys is wearing his high seas robe. I'm just saying, Daenerys and Missandei have changed. That, Maybe they changed. They that had being like said, captain's quarters. That being said, yeah, they weren't wearing the same thing on that freaking boat the entire crossing. So you know. Hmm. All right. Well, that is our first look at, or our first official look. What? How do we categorize these four photos? Just a new batch of photos? A first official look, because the other look was like this weird promo. I don't know. This is our first look at things that will actually be in the episodes. Yes, there you go. Um, uh, it's also, excellent. as I like to call it, Helen Sloan knows shit and you don't. <laughs> Helen <laughs> Sloan has carefully, that's the photographer. Helen yep. Sloan has carefully cropped out Anything that might give anything away. There right. You go. She cropped out all the most interesting stuff. So thank you, Helen Sloan. You're actually amazing. Don't be offended. Yeah, that's the whole segment. The segment is over now. Good to know. <laughs> segment is over right now. As we move on to the main course, American Gods. It's a book by Neil Gaiman. It's a show by Brian Fuller on Stars. 
Um, we've all seen and been exposed to different degrees of this, uh, <laughs> as, as we were sort of talking about before. Joanne, have you read any of the sequel short stories or anything like that? I hope you just continue to refer to this as like a disease. <laughs> we've all been exposed <laughs> to <laughs> various. Yeah. I'm being very sly about my <sighs> opinion sharing uh for a while i have read announce anansi boys um i think that's it in terms of like spinoff or tie yeah i think there's like two more short stories or something but uh, oh yeah he's read he's read well. he's written two short story sequels featuring shadow moon um but i the monarch of the glen and which is weird because that's the name of a long-running uk soap and black dog but i have not read either of those but i have read anansi boys um about mr nancy's sons so Mm. and you've seen how much of the upcoming star show i've seen four episodes plus like so those familiar with the books will know that um, there are these coming to America sort of vignettes within the books about the way various gods come to America. And uh, the way the star show is using is doing those is as sort of cold open for most of the episodes. I have seen all of the coming to America vignettes for the rest of the Ooh. season. So I've seen the four episodes that all, all press got and then plus the vignettes for the rest of the season. Excellent. I was only able to make it through two episodes, and we've talked previously about me reading the book. Neil, book episodes? What's your Um, perspective? The book is in my house (laughs) somewhere. I think it's on a table. I have not read it yet. Uh, I had intended to read it by the time this came out. Obviously, that's not going to happen. And uh, I've seen the first four episodes, and that's, that's it. Have you read other Neil Gaiman? Mm. Coraline, Neverwhere. No, but I've seen movies based on some of those things. That's so interesting. I think you would really, really like uh, Game of Stuff. I like the stuff that is adapted from his work, so Mm -hmm. maybe I would like his stuff. I think you definitely would. Or or the Sandman comics. Those are incredible. I love Neil Gaiman, guys. Just laying that out there. (laughs) Like, I think Neil Gaiman's a way better author than George R. R. Martin. Um... For my taste. Uh, Neil Gaiman also very famously like to tie this all back together to Game of Thrones. Neil Gaiman very famously once said, George R. R. Martin is not your bitch, which uh, George R. R. Martin has framed in his house <laughs> 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 in reference to all the people being like, why is George leaving the house when he hasn't finished uh, the new book yet? Blah, blah, blah. So Neil Gaiman's defense of that is George R. R. Martin is not your bitch. So. And he's mostly right. Uh, yeah, he's pretty much right. So in this early section here, we're going to talk about the uh, upcoming TV series. We're going to go light spoilers. We'll give you the premise, some stuff from like the pilot, probably, and maybe some glimpses. Like uh, Joanna was saying, this isn't necessarily all linear, like Brian Fuller stories. There's weird visuals, and uh, there's crazy side characters. Um, uh, but we'll stop and warn you when we decide to split off to some of the people who've read the book and are maybe more curious about some of the more elements that we've seen uh, and uh, how they've been translated. Or then we'll also answer some questions that Neil might have had uh, about what he actually Oh, witnessed. there are questions. Because, yeah, I, I in, had low expectations for American Gods because I think that the book is... Uh, 
I know it's supposed to be, but I don't think it's executed to the idea of the like hero's journey played out with actual mythical god creatures referencing the myths that all these hero journeys like came out of. So I I like to compare it to other cool comic book people who do this sort of like layering. I could read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen having not read any of the literature that it's referencing and still have a good standalone plot that I enjoy that I could then go back and pick out the references. Whereas in my experience reading the book American Gods is uh, especially because uh, the lead character, Shadow Moon, is sort of in the dark into how things are set up. As soon as I was able to pick up on cultural things, I felt like I was getting ahead of a book that was taking its time getting somewhere that I ended up sort of not enjoying when it got there. Uh, I don't want to spoil how this is going to end because I don't even think this... I think this season isn't even going to get all the way through that. And so I will say that the adaptation is putting me... Is making me feel better. I went in the adaptation expecting to see a better twist on this story because what Neil Gaiman's really good at is like the big ideas that he could then bounce off somebody else a little bit or just explain that big idea once and then get out. So in terms of the author, I'm a fan of Neil Gaiman uh, comic books. And I'm a fan of his short story collections and like even some of his like lyrics for when he write helps people write crazy songs. I don't think he's the best like novelist. I feel like if he did something like Dark Tower, like Stephen King, uh, that I would slowly feel like start to get ahead of the plotting or I, things would loop around and sort of become predictable or quaint. I feel like it's sort of like the opposite with Stephen King, where his individual novels, his shorter stuff isn't as good as when he could really dig into something and like serve you a whole uh, like pop culture meal. So I like I guess I wanted American Gods to be longer and better is like a way of putting it. And it looks like the te- television show is going to be able to uh, produce that for me. I, at least uh, the first two episodes that I got to see are taking their time setting an atmosphere it took me a while to settle into the atmosphere because it is like hannibal which is exists somewhere outside of reality but tangent to our reality and this is even before we start learning about gods existing on our plane of existence so um i i i'm positive i'm trending positive in american gods the only thing i'd be hesitant about is the same thing with the book is if they're going to uh, take too long getting to certain reveals and points, uh, not for the, us as the viewer where they've been treating it really well thus far, but for the characters inside of it and sort of accidentally create my television sin of characters withholding information <laughs> for no good reason. So can I knock out the premise of American Gods? Yeah, go ahead. So the premise of American Gods is we have a character named Shadow Moon who is uh, in prison and on the eve of his release, um, his wife dies. And so he gets released early to go home uh, to bury her. Um, Cause that's how the criminal justice system works. And um, 
it's a very optimistic view of the criminal justice system. Well, we soon find out that there are like weird forces at play here, uh, sort of manipulating Shadow's life. Uh, he meets a, a character named Mr. Wednesday and um, gets drafted into his employ and then meets a large cast of characters. And basically anyone you meet with a weird name is probably a god. Uh, the gods in this book, you know, so, so this is set in the uh, continental U.S. United States. And um, the gods in this book are sort of old world gods that have been brought over to America by virtue of belief of the immigrants who've come to America. And they're sort of weird shadow versions of the original gods. That's sort of added info that you don't necessarily have uh, or intuitively have, but that's, that's true. And what keeps any God alive uh, and, and you learn this as soon as you saw Peter Pan as a child, uh, is belief. And so, um, as America progresses and, um, new generations are born into America and they start to forget the old world ways, or they become devoted to the modern gods, quote unquote, of like technology or media or something like that. Um, the older gods are losing their power. So, um, what we're what we're going to see play out is the old gods trying to figure out how to hold on to their power, and we're going to find out how Shadow Moon is connected to that and what what he's doing wrapped up with all these these various characters. And Joanna, pacing wise, are you as worried about the pacing as I am? Because after two episodes, my bitch, my my one complaint is a non complaint. Like you could be withholding for two episodes and be pretty, and I'll forgive you in the long run. But does it seems like if you have read the book or if you are familiar with the premise and what you're seeing, you're going to get so much more out of this series than if you're following along with Shadow Moon trying to make sense of what's actually going on. Yeah, I think that's true. I think if you know what you're watching, you're going to enjoy it more. And, and more to your point of reading the book, Dave, I think if you're a mythology nerd, um, you're going to get more out of reading the book. Not just like, not to say that I read the book and I already knew everything about these gods, but like if I encountered a God I hadn't heard of, I had a lot of fun, you know, when I first read this book back in like 2001 or whatever, like then looking that God up and finding out more about them and stuff like that. That's true. Sandman as well. Um, Sandman is a very long running comic series that Neil Gaiman wrote sort of before he wrote American gods. And you could kind you, if you read Sandman, you could see how he sort of, uh, practiced <laughs> practiced basically for years to write American gods. And so uh, what's interesting to me is you have Sandman, Sandman devotees think American, a lot of them think American gods is like sort of a weak um, echo of what you get in Sandman. And then a lot of American gods fans think that Sandman is like what I think, which is like a rough draft. And then this is like it crystallized down to a certain essence. Um, Neil Gaiman wrote the book American Gods while he was traveling around America. A lot of the places that he mentions in the book are like real weird, um, like power power sources, weird places in the U.S. that have like um, weirdness attached to them. Um, and so I just think it's a I think it's a really brilliant conceit. It's not a perfect American Gods, not a perfect book. I wouldn't even rank it like that's not my favorite Gaiman book by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and the show itself, I, my concern is more with Brian Fuller excess, which is not a problem I think you're going to have, Dave, because you loved Hannibal. But I think Brian Fuller is such a visual creative genius, um, but that he needs sometimes needs a firmer hand to tell him no 
on certain things. And it looks like nobody is telling him no on American gods. So that's, that would be my concern. Neil, what do you think of the episodes you've seen so far? I think several things. Um, It's very stylish, which I can appreciate. Very Brian Fuller, but very Hannibal Brian Fuller, not like pushing daisies Brian Fuller. Right. Um, It is the the Game of Thrones of dicks. There's a (laughs) lot of dicks in this show. There really isn't. There isn't. There's just like... And as someone who has been... um, out there uh, stumping for more equality in our entertainment. This show is here to bring some equality. Um, and uh, and I, I think that's okay. Say, I wouldn't even say there's a lot of dicks. I will just say that like when the dicks show up, you're like, holy shit, those are some dicks, right? Like, <laughs> that's what I would say about the dicks on this right, show. Right, like, so there's a difference between, and I, I don't mean to make this whole episode about dicks, but I'm about to do a little thing here. Um, I have thoughts about dicks. Uh, but there's a difference between, like, like, Hodor runs by in Game of Thrones, and he's just, he's got a little giant in him, and he just jumps in the pool, to what we are seeing in American Gods, which is, like, just very full-on active dick action. Well, yeah, and but I mean, that that's true of, like, female nudity as well, right? Like, you have mm-hmm. a character changing, and then you've got, like... Roz in season one of Game of Thrones, like simulating sex on another prostitute while Littlefinger tells a story for no reason. Why are they doing that? For no reason. At least in American Gods, it's part of the story. It's actually a very important part of the story. So far as I can tell thus far, it does appear to be part of the story. Yeah. I don't exactly know what the story is yet. Like the basic stuff I follow, uh, Shadow and his wife dies and then he is sort of lost and he ends up going to work for Mr. Wednesday uh, because of some sort of bet that he loses uh, because Mr. Wednesday can rig a coin flip. This is what I learned. Um, As to the greater thing about wars between gods and battles between gods and who the gods represent is a little more difficult to follow, I would go as far as to say sort of Legion-esque in its denseness. Uh, but I think that also has something to do with me not being a particularly uh, big on... Like, I like mythology, but I wouldn't say I'm a mythology nerd. So I'm not a book reader, nor am I a mythology nerd. So for, like, the first two episodes, I was like, what the fuck is going on in this show? So if we contain it to the first episode, and actually just like the, let's just contain it to the characters that, that um, Shadow interacts with. Um, who do you feel like we've met Godwise in the first episode? Like who are actually, like, I don't know what their corresponding gods are. Okay. But in the first episode, he meets Mr. Wednesday. Right. Ian McShane, which... I will follow and be faithful to Ian McShane in any context. So I'm in, obviously. Right. Uh, he also meets the leprechaun guy, right? right? Right. Played by Pablo Shriver. Yeah. So. That's so far. That's all I know. Yeah. Unless his like buddy from prison was like also a God. So, so yeah. So when we meet, so we, so th- I would agree that we've got Mr. Wednesday and the leprechaun. The leprechaun is a leprechaun. So that's Mad-Eye, Mad-Eye, uh, what? 
It's not Matt. Matt Sweeney. Not Matt Moody is what I was going to say. Matt Sweeney, <laughs> who's a leprechaun. Okay. Uh, right. Which is why he could just pull more gold coins out of whatever orifice he wants. Right. Um, you know, which is he's related to like a king from an old Irish story. But that's like, a leprechaun's fine. And then for Mr. Wednesday, when he meets Shadow, uh, he goes, what day is today? And Shadow says, it's Wednesday. And he goes, oh, that's my day. Uh, which is... If you're a mythology nerd, that's Odin. Like, Odin is Odin's day. Wednesday comes from Odin's day. Uh, Thursday is Thor's day. That's how we got the names of the week. But um, so when when the episode opens, it opens with the Vikings. You get the statue of Odin, and it looks to me like Ian McShane. I guess it could look like any bearded person, but it looks like Wait, Ian McShane. So. What? That's how. That's what that was. Yeah, so that's, I was so confused by that's that whole how, That's how Odin comes to America, right? Is like he's brought there by these Vikings. Uh, like on, you know, they carved him into wood. There's a battle that opens the episode. Um, you know, that's all about them trying to get wind back in their sails so that they can leave. So they need to like pray, give a sacrifice to their god. The sacrifice comes in the form of blood. You get geysers of blood, more blood than you've ever seen on Game of Thrones because it's Brian Fuller stylized. So it's fountains of blood. Blood, and it is in service to Odin, and um, and so then eventually they leave. But when they leave, they leave behind the statue of Odin, and like that's how Odin came to America, right? Oh, uh, so. this makes so much more sense now. This is why we do this podcast. I mean, I really, so that I can learn stuff. We should do, we should do this every week, but um, so we won't. Don't worry, Dave. But um, yeah, so so I mean, so it eases you into those gods. And then I think later, as the, as the season goes on, we won't get into too many specifics. But like, you know, we meet a we meet a bunch of um, Egyptian gods, and I think those are even easier to identify because they've got like you know, animals associated with them and stuff like that. I feel like, Neil, you may not feel like you're batting a thousand, but you are batting a thousand on American Gods. This is fantastic. So, uh, yeah. So, so like, uh, you know, one could watch the show with a glossary and like look up what God that they're like actually meeting, or you could not. It's up to you. But like, um, I'm not doing it. I'm just going to watch it because I feel like the show needs to explain shit to me. I have questions. The show needs to explain it. Otherwise, yes. it's a bad show. Yes. Yes. Let's, I'm so on board with this show trying to meet Neil at that level because I think that's what, it, that's what I'm worried it won't do. I'm all for a meditation on an idea I understand by a visualist that I like. But if it's going to be telling a good story, which is what I feel like the novel failed to do, which is have like little shiny pieces of like good in, in an otherwise like muddled why am I here-ness the show needs to like be explaining these things slightly more clearly. But then again, if like the, this is my day, it's Wednesday, like doesn't get through to people. That's because, you know, I have grandparents who make me learn about Norse gods and shit. Well, right. So, so but that's the kind of thing is like, you don't need to know that that's Odin yet necessarily. Right. Um, doesn't seem that way. No, you don't. Well, but, but I'm it, just it, saying, like, it, the mythology nerds who are watching, and he goes, what day is it? Wednesday, that's my day. Like, then they might be like, oh, it's Odin. Or, like, you know, when he talks about mead and heroes and stuff like that, like, the terminology that they use can give you hints as to, like, what pantheon we're talking about here. You know what I mean? So, like, there's just, there's, you know, there's there's clues if you want them, and if not, you can just wait for the reveal, uh, which will come. So I love reveals. Yeah. I'm a big reveals guy. There you go. So yeah, it's like I don't know. It's like in the first episode, which is which we're okay talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in when he's in prison, 
he keeps getting threatened by like a lynch mob group of white supremacists and he dreams of like a noose and if you don't know that odin is the hanged god then do you just see like him seeing like a future fear or something all i see is racism you just don't know yeah. you just don't know yeah exactly and i mean that that's an, that's another fun thing about well not fun but like um i think it's really great um, that they cast shadow moon the way they did because um uh, in the books his race is never um quantified i think his uh skin is described as like coffee and cream skin um, right. but he's never identified as some race or another. And I always looked at him as sort of this like melting pot, like, you know, um, he, he's, he's the best of all genetic material of people like in, in the United States and, you know, like, is he native American? Is he part black? Like, what is he? And when they cast Ricky Whittle, who I think really does look like he could be black or Latino or native American or like, or, you know, and white and like whatever, whatever you need him to be, um, you know, they they kind of made a big not made a big deal of it. I made a big deal of it, and then Neil Gaiman was like, "Yes, it was a big deal to me that we not cast him as white. Um, that was a big deal to me. It matters to me that this is the story. Like Shadow Moon is a story of America, of a story of the melting pot of America, and then like everything plays out around him. So the fact that like you've got lynching uh, iconography associated with him is is important, um, and." Yeah, and and the casting throughout. I mean, like you've got a lot of people who look there like they're from a lot of different places in in this show, and I think that that is that is cool and interesting too. But I guess that's the layer of complexity that for me was missing as a book reader who knew things about mythology. Is I guess for me in the novel, I see the pieces, but now having to watch it as a visual storytelling, something like the racism parallel can conceal the Odin symbolism until you're ready to go back and look for it. The other, the the couple other things that the show does really well that the you know I, I watched it I watched it once and then I watched it again with my roommate who read the book as well and she really likes that depiction of Shadow Moon she thinks he is like uh, Ricky Whittle I don't think is the best actor on the entire planet um, but nor does he necessarily have to be because Shadow Moon is sort of this like very stoic and interior character, but he's actually much less stoic in the show than he is in the book. In the book, he's kind of a blank. Um, and I think that they're doing a good job in the show of giving you a little bit more, particularly because it's not in the book has the option to be inside his head and the show doesn't. So you have to have some of this stuff verbalized a little bit more. Um, and then the other thing is Laura and, you know, we might get this to a little bit more in the spoiler section, but Laura is his wife. Laura moon is such a non entity, like such an accessory to shadow in the book. Um, and in the show, they give her an entire episode of backstory that is completely invented for the show. And that, I think, is a much better story to tell. To just, like, let's flesh out this person who's the most important person, Shadow, let's flesh out who she actually is. That would be interesting to me. You know, so um, those are two things that I think the show does does very, very well. Nice. Well, with that, do we want to pivot into our second section and talk a little bit about some some spoilery topics where if you do not want to do that if you want to go in read the book for yourself watch it on stars as it unfolds uh 
God bless. See you later. <laughs> uh, next week. Otherwise, let's let's talk about some of this. So, uh, is is the 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 show seems really slow to me knowing the full arc of the first American Gods book where it's like when I'm seeing these cold opens or these people coming to America, I'm enjoying the short story nature of it because I have to put up with watching a very ominous shot of him flipping that gold coin onto his wife's grave and knowing what the fuck's going to happen. And like then looking at the episode descriptions and realizing I'm two episodes away from that happening. Uh, so I'm a little worried about pacing and then the reveal of this, you know, large battle that Wednesday is trying to set up amongst the gods, uh, sort of falling into a television hole where it's well, not. So the, this season is only dealing with, um, the carousel. I think it, it, the finale is House on the Rock and the world's largest carousel scene where we, where we meet a lot of gods at once. And that's about, yeah. I think, a third of the way through the book. So they're dividing the book into thirds. In the meantime, Neil Gaiman's writing a sequel to American Gods, and also they're fleshing it out with a bunch of stories that Neil Gaiman had to like cut. Like Jeremy Davies uh, from of Lost and Justified Fame is playing Jesus. Jesus is not in American Gods. He was in, and and uh, Neil Gaiman cut him. So they're adding in that they're adding in this whole like there's this whole crazy episode about Vulcan that and Mexican immigration that is not. Um, in the book, you know what I mean? So like all this stuff that Neil Gaiman wanted to do, but didn't have space for, they're letting him put back in basically. I mean, that sounds cool, but then why are we spending time on this God war that they're not going to reveal it for three seasons? Yeah, I would say, um, are we going to take on the new gods one by one? Or are we not going to try to do a I am, huge thing? I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I don't know what, like maybe the reveal of this season, like maybe what we're building towards is the reveal of like who Wednesday is, which oops, I guess I already said it or whatever, but like, I, I don't know what, <laughs> like the, the, the largest carousel in the world, like shadow goes along and all this stuff keeps happening to him. And he does go like, what is happening? I don't really understand. Like, especially when he makes like Chernabog and all of that sort of stuff. But like when he gets to the carousel, that's when he sees the gods in their God form not in their mm-hmm. human form. So that reveal might be like the big, what the fuck moment. Um, and we might, yeah, we might not learn what, what Odin's uh, long game is, his long con is. That's the other thing that I love about American gods, right? Is that Odin, Mr. Wednesday is a con man and you see it in the first episode. Like that's my fate. My favorite by far part of the episode is Ian McShane conning his way into first class and then the scene between Shadow and Mr. Wednesday in first class. Like, that's just Ian McShane being McShaney and it being great. Like, that to me is the ideal, Chris Lay's ideal of what this show should be. I think it gets a little less good in the um, in the Gator Bar because I don't really know what Pablo Schreiber's doing with this character, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, like, when McShane is allowed to be McShane and Ricky Whittle, I think, is a, is a fairly decent sounding board for him. Um, that to me is, is, is the show at its finest. And then plus these vignettes, like the Mr. Nancy vignette, which opens episode two is so 
good. It's crazy good. Is that the one with Orlando Jones and the slaves? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's Mr. Nancy or Anansi. And, um, and so like stuff like, so the vignettes I think are amazing. The standalone vignettes are amazing because like, that's just like either great writing or like great visuals or whatever may be. Um, because, uh, the reason Neil picked, um, Anubis is like his vignette is also really amazing too. Um, and then, and then Ian McShane, those are their like twin sources of power, I think for this show. I guess now it makes more sense. Like I like those vignettes better now that I know what the hell they are because it's it, just setting it up without any other knowledge, watching those opening sequences. Uh, it wasn't until the Anubis one where I started to figure out what they had to do with the rest of the episode, which, because the first two, I don't think they do, do they? No. Yeah. So the first two don't have anything to do with the episode. The, uh, the one in the third episode with Anubis comes back later as part of, um, what's her name story. Well, Anubis, Anubis is in episode three and then he gets involved in the plot in episode four. Okay, yeah. So it's like it, I didn't until the very s- end sort of thing. There, I was like, "What does any of this have to do with the story that I'm watching?" Right, and you'll see Mr. Nancy again, you know, Orlando Jones's character later in the season. I expect, and, you. yeah, and um, the Ifrit, uh, which is the Dick scene that you're referring to. You'll see that that stuff doesn't come back in the book, but it will come back in the TV show. I've been told. So, like, yeah, that stuff will come weaving back in, but. There are vignettes in the book American Gods that never... There's, like, an Irish... Um, my favorite one is this, like, Irish con artist woman um, and, like, sort of the the sprite, the Irish sprite characters um, that she sort of imports and teaches, teaches her children about and their children about and stuff like that. And that never really plays back into the plot. It's just, So they can be standalone vignettes. Um, I don't know. You know, and whether whether that's disor- it's probably disorienting. It's definitely disorienting for you, Neil. And it's like I'm the scenes in the Rick and Morty credits that are never part of the show. <laughs> it's very confusing. But in the Anubis scene, which is in an episode three, you, there's a woman who dies. She's not part of the plot. She's a random woman who dies, and he does explain to her that the reason he appeared to her is because she carried the old ways with her to the new world. You know, she's like my, I think she says my family is Muslim or something like that. He's like, yeah, but right. This is a Muslim house. Yeah. Yeah. But you carry the old ways with you. And that's why I am here to usher you into the afterlife, you know? So like that's sort of laying the idea of, um, how the old guys get, it's not very explicit at all. (laughs) So like on the one hand, you want to applaud a show for doing that because like, um, you know, we don't want to show to hold our hands too tightly through things. We want to be able to figure things out for ourselves. But I do think American Gods runs a risk of assuming its audience knows too much um, in a lot of places. So, yeah. And then there's like people like me who are like, wait, what? Why are people exploding? Why, why is there found? Well, I mean, the Fountains that, of Blood thing is easily explained as, oh, this is uh, a show on a cable network by Brian Fuller. Right. But the exploding people, which happens later in the episode, that gets explained by episode four. So, right? Sort of. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just like I'm I'm just I have a lot of questions. Sorry about that. I think it's okay. There we're talking spoilers, so stars is sending <laughs> people after you. Um, but I do think that there's uh, you know, there there's something to that, and I think we learned that a little bit with Legion. Like, there's something to just being a little vague and creating a lot of questions up front but it puts a lot of pressure on like the back half of your season. Cause then you have to answer those questions or at least uh, in some sort of satisfactory way, provide uh context for those questions. So uh, I am deeply invested in wanting to see more and get my questions answered, but I'm not sure that it's possible to pull it off. So we'll see. I don't know. I, I guess I am now experiencing what people um, who were watching Game of Thrones like season two thought, you know, like what the hell is going on in the show? Mm-hmm. What's what's yeah. the show really about? Well, it's going to be interesting if they do end up ending the season by explaining that the title is literal. Right. I just don't Doesn't know how seem you like can, a weird place to end. I just it? don't know how you can watch this show and not know that like. Oh no, I get that. I like no, not I you, picked Neil. that part up. Not but like you, I f- I'm I'm not even talking about you because you're at least like dialed into a lot of the conversation about the show before it airs and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? But like what if someone right. just turns oh I oh American Gods, oh that guy from Deadwood I like is in a new show. Like what you know, what is this? I don't know. I don't I think know. that part would be pretty know. easy. <laughs> you know. Because the the show does do a fair amount of hand holding in the sense that to pick up the fact that these are like godlike people like even if you don't pick up that they are literal gods you're picking up the fact that they are sort of like versions of gods or extensions of different kind of gods because it's all it's all sort of basic iconography that they're using like leprechauns and right and we haven't talked like about we haven't talked about the bill quiz thing yet and the bill quiz thing which i thought was like really well done because neil like imagine reading that in a book and then being like how the shit are they gonna do that on a tv show um <laughs> the bill quiz thing really helps along with that because you know her whole thing is like worship and that's why i think it comes like right at the beginning of the book you get the bill quiz scene um it helps you understand like when she's like, worship me, worship me. And then he starts like chanting what sounds like a prayer. Then it does very much look like a tired, faded God who sucks the life force out of a human worshiper in order to gain herself some, uh, of her old power, you know, like the, I, right. I think that that's how that scene reads, even though I already knew that that's how that scene was. going. All I can know? think about was that man eater song. She's a man eater. <laughs> that was that was what i thought about i mean that's that's probably the most literal thing where it's like she's man i feel bad for that guy but also like i'd probably be that guy like if this if you're is going to die somehow if you're gonna die getting sucked into the vagina of a god uh-huh. is probably one of the better ways to go the infinite space vagina of a god because we do see him later floating in space right yeah but he seems to be pretty happy about it yeah, I mean that's good. <laughs> he's, he's, in, he's in the sunken place. It's fine. Right, um, he's in the sunken. Place. Yeah, I was really worried how they were going to do that because, like, uh, in the book, he's like, I mean, not to get too explicit, I guess, but he. Well, you guys can read it for yourself. But he's like dangling out of her. It's like I was like, how are they going to do this? And I thought they did it really well. So you know, right. Um, and in that scene, you see a lot of boobs. So I'm just saying, like, 
I don't, I really don't think that it's like a ton of penises in the show. I just think it's like more like, it's not even, I don't think it's even equal. I think in the second episode, there is a framed photograph of an erection in a bedroom. That's like a shot used to punctuate that a scene is now over. Okay. I'm just saying that's more than Listen, most shows. None of do we're not saying this dicks. is a bad thing. No, There's yeah, just, just there saying, are a lot of dicks in this show. I'm just saying no, but like, um, uh, I I just I'm just like this is like a taste of people's own medicine, I guess, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's like, this is what we're talking about when we're, when we're like, there's just wall-to-wall boobs in Game of Thrones. And you're like, yeah, but you're so trained to see boobs sexualized. It's like, I feel like whatever. At but, some um, point, we had the reverse conversation about this, about Game of Thrones. But like, you know, when when you get to gay sex in episode three, which you do, it's episode three, right? Um, I think so, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like, it's two dudes, like, and it's not at all well it's explicit and it's not because it's stylized it's does uh, here's a question for you does the Brian Fullerness of that scene the way in which it's quite stylized does that make it more pornographic to you or less oh that's an excellent question um i don't know if it like it's i mean it's just it's just sort of porny like either way like it's um but also it's very real like it's it's very like that's how it happens i guess i don't know i've never done that um but like it's very uh th- there's a there's an earnestness to all the nudity in this like even the the shot that dave's talking about like the dick pic that he sees and then it gets like framed uh that's there's there's just like an earnestness of like that's how that happens in life which i think should be appreciated um which kind of elevates it above some of the stuff, some of the more gratuitous stuff that you see in other shows. Um, I wouldn't even say Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones mostly finds story reasons to get some boobs out there, but um, the... It's gotten better about finding It's gotten stories. better about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. there were some... <laughs> they, they pushed into uh, that territory pretty heavily in the first couple seasons. But then there are also shows where it's just... It's super gratuitous. But I do think this is kind of a stars thing. Like, if we talk about stars and nudity, their shows, with the exception of that Sword and Sandals softcore show, but, like, shows like this and shows like... Um, the girlfriend experience, they really do a good job of, of, of being very provocative and having a lot of nudity and having a lot of sex, but also being pretty earnest about it. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know if the Brian Fullerness made it more or less pornographic. It's just, it's, it's, it's a very effective scene. Um, to describe it. So I like, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's in the books, but like for this section, I will say, cause this is like, if you have, I read would the books like, or do you not care, but uh, I you know. would, I would like you to explain to me what happened at the end of that. <laughs> cause I'm not entirely sure how yeah, and uh, I think it's that a all bit, happened. I think it's a little more effective in the books because you're so, um, there's, 
Like, does the one guy take over the other guy? Yeah. So there's a young name, man named Salim who's like come to America and he's having like a terrible time of it. And I think he like s- says that in the episode, but like in the book, you're with him as he's like having like the wor- worst day. It's just not what he wanted. And he's having a terrible time in America. And then like you come to understand that he's also like he's gay and he's never like allowed himself to be gay. And that's like a repressed part of himself that that like makes life extra hard for him. And then he meets this Ifrit. Um, which is this sort of like a desert spirit uh, who's driving a taxi. And um, yeah, and then they have sex. And um, at the end, he finds out, like he wakes up the next morning and he finds out that the guy has like taken his identity and left. And now he's stuck driving the cab. Um, in the show, I talked to one of the producers about it when I saw the scene because, like, in the show, it's portrayed as, like, sort of a happy, liberating thing for Salim. Like, he seems kind of happy at the end to now have this job driving a cab. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the books, it's like a tragedy. Like, he's been trapped. Like, he has this one moment of, like, happiness of, like, I get to actually be gay. I get to be myself. I'm, like, finding companionship with this person. And then he's trapped in this sort of, like, it's like... Uh, it's like freeing a genie from a bottle and then you're trapped in their bottle sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like you're now in the land. Oh, okay. Cause I and... thought it, I thought at the end of that sequence that, uh, it was like a body snatchers type of thing where it was like the first guy was now inside the other guy's body. No, he just took his place. Cause there was a, there was a literal there's the, transfer. The, there's of... the fire. So the fire, you see right. the fire in his eyes. And then you see it go via ejaculation into Salim. Yeah, um, so I took that as like, oh, yeah. that guy just took over that guy because no, he was tired or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, and I think we'll find out more because like Salim's story just ends in the book there, and you don't know what happens to him next. Uh, but like I said, I've been told that that character comes back uh, in the TV show, so we'll find out more. But yeah, so cool. you know that's that's a different thing. But yeah, that's that's the stylized Brian Fullerness of it all is like is that you know you see them in in, sh- in black shadow and it's very Hannibal, like black shadow relief, and then you see the like fire via ejaculation go from the Ifrit into Salim, and um, yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It's it's real sexy, but like a bunch of people are like, it's not not you necessarily, Neil, but I've seen other people on Twitter. Like, first of all, I don't know why you would just talk about this openly on Twitter without like, you know, a putting it in a show called Storm of Spoilers and b behind a spoiler like curtain because I've just seen writers like talk about it openly and I'm just like that's pulling back the curtain a little bit more than I think is necessary. Yeah, episode, that's episode three of a show that hasn't even aired yet. But, for sure, because I feel like that's another thing like. That, I mean, sure, it happens in the first couple of minutes, but like that's that, that does feel like kind of a big reveal that like because I do think that there's that is probably the moment where I was like, oh, this is what kind of show it is, right? And so I can understand the desire as a writer to want to write something like that in the review to be able to be like, oh, this is what kind of show it is, but also it also does feel like sort of a. I've seen it not I mean, spoil not, like not know. even in a review, but like just tweet it out. So like not even giving this a person an option to like click on a headline and like okay now I'm going to read stuff about American Gods just putting it in people's Twitter feed this is when I get annoyed about spoilers and I just think that that's like a little much to reveal a big splashy moment of episode three of a show that hasn't even aired its first episode yet. Uh, Dave might disagree with me, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Subtitle for the show. 
Dave might well, disagree I, with me, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> well, I do think. I, I mean, I think that's right. Like, I ju- that just feels right to me that that it's that that's a little too much to be putting like in your tweet. Um, you know, having it us talking about it in this segment with a spoiler warning, or having it in an article with a spoiler warning. This is right. all getting very inside baseball, but that does feel like a little much. Um, we haven't yet talked about the new gods that you see, um, in the first episode, you meet the technical boy, um, who has been given like a little, like in the, in the books, he's very like, Dave, let me know if you agree with this assessment, like kind of Columbine. He's like black trench coat. Uh, 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 yeah, no, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. He's like the Merovingian. Uh, um, from the Matrix? No, he's well, like because a, the book is like, like 2002. It's literally like the trench coat mob. Yeah, he's like he, he's like a little bit chubby, bad skin teenager in a black trench coat. Like now he vapes, which is perfect. Yeah, now he's like a Silicon Valley douche, which is like perfect update, I think, for the technical boy who who represents. Um, technology and the way that tech, you know because like video games were blamed for columbine and i think that's why neil gaiman drew that line but like um you know the way that technology is is sort of influencing us and then uh we've got uh jillian anderson plays media um which means that we will see her throughout the series playing a number of iconic figures that you recognize from various media um which is great it's very cool and in, in in the episodes we saw she plays uh lucille ball or lucy do you think they uh they're gonna make her scully oh that'd be so fun um i do know that well no i can't talk about it they sent out something to press that i tweeted out and then they were like that's not okay so i was like oops um <laughs> But yeah, we'll see her as a bunch of different figures, which is going to be really cool. It would be funny to see her as Scully. Um, what's interesting is that I think when the book was written in 2001, I would argue that media would be considered the more powerful of the two new go- of those two new gods. Um, and now I would think that the technical boy has sort of like outstripped media in terms of power. Um, so, so that's interesting to me. Um, the technical boy is really cool because um, they make it, it's it's really interesting design because they make his look ever changing as he's talking to shadow, his hair and his clothes constantly change and mutate. And that's sort of like, you know, the obsessive refresh of a webpage. Like, I just think that that's a really cool thing to do with him. And it's funny when Neil Gaiman was talking at Comic-Con at the American gods panel, um, it was right at the height of Pokemon go. You might've remembered Dave talking about Pokemon go on our various podcasts. Um, and at Comic-Con, like Neil Gaiman said that he was driving up to the convention center and it was like, it was like late at night and he saw a bunch of people, um, running around like with their glowing on like a green with their growing, like glowing screens up against their faces, like running around. He was like, they were worshiping, they were worshiping a God. Like, that's what that is, you know? And so like, um, yes, know. Neil Gaiman, but the God is capitalism. Yeah. But to <laughs> capitalism via technology, like, you know, it's both. I'm just being a smartass. It's it's still, I'm I'm still excited more for the series being able to go down these like little blind alleys than I ever would be for an American Gods two, or like I mean I even I'm excited to hear that episode four is from another character's perspective that isn't Shadow Moon because I really it's I really think it's going to end up becoming withholding for withholding's sake, which is uh, something that it's hard for me to narratively abide. Yeah, I don't feel like it's withholding for very long, though. Like, there's definitely information that you get in the fourth episode that 
I felt like they were withholding, but it didn't feel... I mean, I watched them all back to back to back, so you know it's going to be like a month for people watching the show. I mean, for me, as someone who did the book, I felt like there was a lot of foreshadowing to late game s- stuff pretty early on. Um, uh, obviously, it's going to you know pop out to people, other people, other readers uh, from that perspective. Uh, but I, I'm interested to see if they could even keep that trick going over a season break. Well, here's, here's an oblique thing that I will say. Um, in the last episode of the season, they step into the real world. No, um, this is a thing. I'm going to dog whistle this just for book readers and for Dave and not even explain it to Neil, <laughs> which, awesome. is just, which is, which is to say, it. I believe we're going to meet Mr. We're going to meet Mr. World, Kristen Glover's character before the season's out. And I think that's going to advance things, um, to a certain degree. Right. Or they could just keep it in mis- uh, a mystery, I guess. Well, see, that's, that's, yeah, that's a big, that's a big question. If they keep it a mystery, I feel like that's, uh, I don't know, like making this weird, yeah, I don't know, smart book readers club. Hey, no, that's not how I feel about it. I just feel like you're, you're, you should let everybody have the same experience watching it the first time. Maybe the thing, well, that's impossible. You can't do that when it's based on a property like this, but the, um, well, Hannibal did it really well and it based, it was based on books, but it just didn't different kind of adaptation. Is it? Yes. Do we Have we seen enough American Gods to know that? Yes, because American Gods is trying to be both. It's trying to give you an episode entirely from Laura Moon's perspective, and it's trying to like hit a lot of the familiar beats. Whereas Hannibal felt very unconcerned with hitting any of those beats. And like, I like we've, you and I have talked about this before in terms of adaptation. Like, we really like those kinds of adaptations. Those ones, those adaptations that are like okay, here's the, here's the basic feeling that the original text gave me. And I'm just going to go with that. Uh, the same is true of Fargo, I would say, or Legion, you know, like these are kind of adaptations that are just sort of like, like uh, wink at the source text and do and go their own way. And they're fascinating. Um, you know, American gods is not quite that. And, um, and that's okay. I think, um, I, I do want to visit the Laura moon thing really quickly and just say that I think that, uh, for all his virtues, Neil Gaiman is not always great at creating fully fleshed female characters with the exception of like Coraline, but she's a child. So whatever. Um, but um, in, in American gods, almost every female character uh, wants to have sex with shadow, um, which if he looks that like makes Rick, two of us, if so. he looks like Ricky Whittle, can you blame them? But like they're either there to help shadow or have sex with him or both. Um, and there aren't, uh, there isn't a lot of room for female characters who have their own like, um, thing going on. So to give Laura at least this backstory and I found her fascinating. Like, I don't know who's responsible for creating this character, but I feel like, I mean, Emily Browning, I think is a great actress, but I feel like Laura Moon is unlike a lot of char- female characters we see on television. Would you agree with that, Neil? Like, without sort of getting too much into it? Um, like- yeah, she's definitely cool. I'm in. Well, I just think she's... Um, I think that her back... When they start to tell her backstory, it's really interesting. That's she's, what I mean. Like, her backstory... She's just... I think they just allow her to be darker than a lot of, like, a, a, a wife character would necessarily be allowed to be. You know what I mean? So... 
I don't know. I'll be interested when you all get to that and, and hear to hear what you think of it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch up on some the some American gods the rest of you have to wait a couple weeks to see. Yeah, as a way of wrapping up, you guys, American Gods comes on this Sunday, correct? On stars? Mm-hmm. Sure. At uh I'm told seven PM for East, ten PM for West. And uh, we'll be... Can, how many episodes this season? Do we know? Eight. It'll be an eight-episode season. So it'll be wrapping up the... When is Game of Thrones premiere? The 23rd? 25th? 16th. 16th? 16th. Uh, is there going to be overlap? Of July. Of July. There's a month between American Gods and Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, okay. Of July. God, I'm sorry. Where's my head? Yes. Where's my mind? So it's good. We got some prestige television coming up yeah we're um, we're definitely lacking for that between leftovers and fargo and et cetera et cetera et cetera it's definitely nothing nothing else going on in television right now well uh, prestige wouldn't that be prestige genre right prestige genre wouldn't it be a good time to have some sort of summer tv mailbag show where people could ask us about excellent television that's happening doesn't that sound like a good idea dave you just hijacked my segment (laughs) Part, pardon me for getting in the way of your transition about five different times. I apologize. Uh, you know, it was cool. We we got there eventually, and it was a team effort since Neil took credit for it being a segment right at the end. Neil, what are we doing next week? Well, as was just spoiled for all of you, wow. uh, we're di- we're gonna do <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do a summer TV mailbag because we are not going to get because uh, we are down to let's see. Uh, essentially two more episodes before we go back to Game of Thrones. And uh, both of these two next two episodes are going to be movie-related. And so we're going to do one more big summer question-and-answer session, one more big mailbag for the off-season. So if you have questions about Fargo or Leftovers or, sure, even American Gods... Um, anything that's yeah, American Gods. So let's see, Silicon Valley's on watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC television shows are you know crazy and going to be finishing up Veep. in the next few weeks. Veep, Veep. Um, <laughs> gotta love, gotta love Veep. Just Veep is exists and is good. Uh, Bob Bob's Burgers has been having an excellent season of airing two episodes in one night and then disappearing from the schedule for weird periods uh. of time. Ooh, Archer! I've been watching Archer. Archer and Dreamland. Um, yeah. Uh, if you if you would like us to explain again why we aren't doing an episode about your favorite show, The Expanse, uh, we'll do that again if we have to. Uh, so basically, send us all your some send us all your questions. Summer TV. You could even throw some summer movies in there. Uh, it's going to be a fun last hurrah before we jump into two deep, uh, rich mythology movie episodes and then back into game of thrones so uh make sure that you send those either on twitter at storm of spoilers email them storm of spoilers at gmail.com or uh send via raven to the citadel of crazy town i'll answer one right that i've already gotten uh i i since i haven't been watching the leftovers i don't still know if the ending i was told for the series still holds up but by next week i'll read and i'll i'll, I'll update you guys Nice. I'm not going to tell you the ending, but just if I'm still on target. Okay. Wow. Deep. 
someone tweeted that tweeted at that. Apparently, the leftovers is good enough that people are remembering so that good. I might possibly know the end of it. So good. All I've the Jesus never imagery. All the Jesus imagery you, sh- you could ever want. Um, what about John from Cincinnati? That that was enough for me for a lifetime. Speaking of American gods, um, okay. <laughs> um, thanks for thanks guys for listening. And I am sorry that I'm not doing a weekly American gods podcast. If I had the time, I, I surely would because this is going to be really fascinating. But I will be writing about a weekly over at vf.com. Yeah, where can people follow you on Twitter since we're doing that part now? Oh, um, since I hijacked that section. Um, <laughs> at Joe wrote this. And Mr. Neil Miller? Uh, you can find me over at filmschoolrejects.com. Listen to my other podcast at One Perfect Pod, which I think I'm taking this week off of my show because I have website stuff to do. But uh, we'll be back next week talking Marvel stuff. Uh, and then follow me on Twitter at Rejects. Uh, and I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can follow me on Twitter at DA70. You could listen to my other podcast, Fighting in the War Room. Uh, we recently had one of our big fights, and apparently, which is a new classic episode about whether or not Netflix is killing movies. Ooh, I have that one queued up. Buying them up and not Ugh. releasing it. Nice. Uh, but yeah everybody's fine we're still friends we recorded an episode this week we are not recording an episode next week because katie rich has some plans and i have to see guardians of the galaxy oh my god uh so yeah until then guys uh pray to the god that is most likely to benefit you be that media technology or old uh try not to hurt anyone else see you next week